0: Hey, good morning, One Church. How you guys doing today? Woo! That's right. You guys never let me down. I love you guys so much. You make me feel so good. Hey, uh, I just want to kind uh, of you know, acknowledge a couple people in the audience real fast. One, if you are a guest uh, with us, uh, we don't consider you a visitor. We don't just say that you're just visiting with us. You are a guest, and you are a guest of honor uh, the way I see it. Uh, pretty much everything we do here on Sunday morning is with the intention and the hope that you would show up. I hope that you, uh, what you walk out of here uh, experiencing is that we expected you to be here. And so uh, I'm just so glad that you're here. I'm excited about this. I love uh, the, this thing that our church is doing where we're now actually making donations in your name for every guest that shows up because we want to change the world. Um uh, another group of people I want to acknowledge are people who are over in our overflow area as well as our people online. I know some of you guys can't actually physically make it here, but you still want to be here and participate. And hey, uh, I'm just so glad that you're here. You guys are a part of the church as well. You're not uh, you're not any uh, second uh, or anything like that with me. So uh, just to introduce myself, my name is Dave Thompson, and I have the great honor and the great privilege of being the student pastor here at onechurch.tv. I have the best job in the world, and that is where I get to spend every Wednesday night hanging out with middle and high school students. Hashtag best night of the week. Do we got any students in the audience today? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) what? Whoa. (laughs) Tony, bro, that was bad. All right. Uh, No, uh, no. seriously, Uh, like I said, I kind of shared this before, I have uh, the ability, or or I get to work with middle and high school students, so if you guys would, uh, just to make me feel really comfortable uh, and feel at home, you know, because that's typical of my audience, is like 11 through like 17-year-olds, if you guys could just be like as annoying as possible for like the next 30 minutes, I will feel great. Just go ahead and pull out your phones, look at it, don't pay attention to anything I say. It would be great. Uh, all right, thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, no, uh, we, are, we are in a series. I'm really kind of coming right along at the end, tag, uh, tailing it up and, and just kind of put a knot and a close on this series where we're looking at resolutions. Um, we, you know, this is the beginning of 2017. This is the beginning of the year. We want to, you know, typically we, we always look at, at what are we going to make 2017 about? And we try to have these conversations and, you know, these thoughts and, you know, just trying to work through it. And, and typically, typically when we're making resolutions, we, we are trying to answer the question, what should I do about me? What should I do about me? We're, we're we're trying to figure out, and, and Chris really did a great job introing us with this and, and just really looked at this idea, where we're looking at what should I do about me. We're, we're looking at, you know, I need to lose weight. I need to, you know, exercise more, eat better. Uh, I need to, you know, read more. Or I need to, you know, uh, save some money. Uh, you know, maybe I need to watch less TV. Or some of you guys who don't have a life, you need to watch more TV. Stop, you're making me look bad, please. Um, no, seriously, like, you know, just... Just stop. Watch more TV, please. Uh, You'll never hear a pastor say that again. Promise. Um, No. So so we uh, you know, we we start looking at the whole idea of what should I do about me? But Chris actually said, hey, maybe maybe there's a better question to ask. Maybe as we're getting ready and we're we're trying to figure out what we're going to make 2017 about, maybe there's a better question to ask. And that question is, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? That that maybe, if we ask this question of what breaks your heart, and then, of course, the, the thing that comes behind it is then doing something about what breaks your heart, that that in the end, this world will become a better place. And that if we are participants, or if we participate in making this world a better place, that maybe in you know, unavoidably, we will become better people, which which actually, in the end is actually accomplishing the goal of asking the question of what should I do? About me, that may be a more successful or a more indirect path, but still a more successful path to what should I do about me is actually what breaks your heart. And so we we you know Chris kind of introduced this, this this guy this this ancient biblical character named Nehemiah who who did some amazing things and because he did such amazing things there was either people or himself someone saw this and decided you know what i'm going to write this down and and keep this around so that people later on down the road can actually read this and and that's actually why we're able to be here looking at this understanding the story and then applying it to our own lives Speaking of applying to our lives, if, you are, if you're new, I just want to let you know that this, today's message is really pinpointing and targeting uh, people who consider themselves Christ followers. So if you're here, because and, 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 today's message is going to be a little hard, I just want to give you a heads up, but if you're here and you don't consider yourself someone who follows Christ, I just want to let you know you're off, like you're off the hook. I mean, I, I more than welcome you to participate in today's message and, and to apply this to your life. And some of you maybe, this is actually maybe why you bounced out of church. There were too many Christians not doing what it is we're going to talk about today. And so, so I, I, you know, I say all this to say that you know Nehemiah, he comes into the picture and, 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 and he, he just does this amazing thing. And so we, we have this word. And, and essentially who Nehemiah was, he was someone that if you were to ever ask him what breaks your heart, instantly he knew exactly what broke his heart. The story of Nehemiah, the, the, the 13 chapters I believe it is, it starts out with him discovering what breaks his heart and then doing something about it and he actually accomplishes and and, and fixes the thing that breaks his heart. Nehemiah, basically the thing that broke his heart was, was he discovered that while he is living in a foreign land, while he is basically in exile and stuck outside of, of his homeland, that people, his people, his friends, his family are starting to move back to where they're from. And, and as they get back and they're, they're in the great city of Jerusalem, you know, the, the capital of, of the area, I guess you could call it, they get into Jerusalem and there's no walls. The wall around the city has been broken down. There's nothing left. There's nothing protecting his friends and his family from raids. There's nothing, you know, the the, the city, the great city, the once great city is without. And because of that, his heart is broken. And so he thinks and he ponders and he thinks about it. And, And if you've never read the story of Nehemiah, I strongly, I recommend, please, please read it. In fact, if you don't have a Bible, we actually give them away for free uh, out in the uh, out in the the hallway. Uh, you can actually grab one. You don't even have to talk to anybody. You, you can just grab one and keep walking. Um, but or maybe it's been a while. Maybe you know the last time you read it was quite some time ago. But let's be real, you guys are one church people. You guys don't read your Bible, like you know. So so you know, give this a shot. Like I strongly, I got one laugh, man. You guys like, <laughs> you guys just won't let it come out. I, I can see it. I strongly recommend give this a shot, read it, because what what we discover in Nehemiah is essentially you got chapter one. Chapter one is it's, it's honestly it's it's depressing, I can be real. Like essentially Nehemiah is just getting his heart broken for the thing that he needs to go and accomplish. And so chapter one is, you know, basically ends with this big prayer and he decides, you know what, I'm going to pray and I'm going to act. And and so what we discover is that Nehemiah, right at the end of chapter one, we discover that he was the cupbearer for the king Artaxerxes. And so essentially in this moment, he was the king and because, or he was the cupbearer for the king. And I know some of you guys are like, man, you know, Dave, like, I really don't like my job and I really hate my boss. I can't say that because he's your pastor. But, you know, no, I'm just playing. That's not real. No, some of you guys are thinking, no, I just really don't enjoy my, my my job or my boss. But I promise you, you guys have nothing on Nehemiah. Nehemiah's job was to taste the wine for poison for a king who was foreign to him. Yeah. In other words, he had to put his life on the line every time the king decided he wanted to drink, and as we know, all know from stories kings like to drink. So, so he every time, you know, like he didn't know if he was going to survive the next time he had to taste the wine. He he literally put his life on the line every day for a king that was not his king. He he didn't know if he was going to live very long, but I'm sure he ate well and but but here's the of it, this very unique job, this this point that he was able to be in, set him up to be able to ask for the ability to go home and rebuild their walls, and that's basically chapter two. Nehemiah approaches the king; the king gives him the thumbs up. They start to go back home. They get home; they start building. And then we come to chapter three. Now, uh, just to give you a quick history, a quick story on this end, we, we kind of plan out, you know, a whole year at a time what we're going to talk about. And so I asked to be a part of the series. Um, and and so whenever I asked, you know, I wanted to be a part of it. Chris gave me Nehemiah chapter three. And I'll explain what Nehemiah chapter three is in a moment. But, uh, you know, what actually, I'll just go and jump into it. Nehemiah chapter three has made it to my top 10 list of most boring Bible verses ever. Um, yeah, yeah, it's great. I promise. Uh, it's right behind 1 Chronicles, you know, chapter 1, really all of 1 Chronicles, where it's, you know, so-and-so begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so, another name I can't pronounce, so-and-so. And you learn the genealogy of essentially everybody who was ever mentioned in the Bible. <laughs> it's thrilling. It's right behind, actually, the entire book of Leviticus, actually. Um, the entire book of Leviticus, where um, I'll, I'll give you a little story. This isn't in my notes. This is free. Um, the first time after I became a Christ follower, the first time I decided I was going to have a morning quiet time, because, you know, to be super Christian, you've got to, you know, have a more quiet time in the morning. It can't be any other time in the day. Um, So I decided, you know, at the time, I woke up at 4 in the morning to be able to go to work. I had to be at work by like 5 or 5.30, somewhere in there. And so I wake up at 4, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to spend the next 30 minutes, you know, just reading God's Word and and talking to Him, and, you know, that's how I'm going to start my day. And I just so happened, in my first full Bible read-through, happened to be in the the book of Leviticus. Um, I was so late for work that day. I... I, you know, I'm ex- thrilled, I'm excited, you know, I'm like, I'm going to be full of energy all day because, you know, God was like my beginning of my day and and I start reading Leviticus and I didn't set an alarm for the, the nap that is required to end your reading of the book of Leviticus. Like, it is nearly impossible to do without napping. It is mutually exclusive. Um, <laughs> No, no, seriously, uh, the book of Leviticus, you, you get to learn the, the precise propitiation in the event your cow actually eats the grass on your neighbor's yard. It's a good read. It's good stuff. Chapter three of Nehemiah essentially starts with, uh, with, with what feels like it essentially is the credits for an HGTV special. You know, it's Steve swung a hammer while Charles used a handsaw, and Debbie installed cabinets. Essentially, it's showing piece by piece who built what section of the wall. (laughs) It's so much fun. I seriously wondered, how, what am I going to do with this? You know, you you got the guy who you know, who comes in from out of Jerusalem, and he works on the the sheep gate, and then it talks about these guys who Nehemiah must have not liked because they worked on the dung gate, and and that's exactly what it is. Just think about it. Um, and so, so it goes around to all the people, but then eventually it lands, and this is what I believe the most important part, probably the most important theme of the book of Nehemiah. It's so easy to find these parts that are just boring and and you just don 't understand God, how are you going to speak to me through that that is ridiculous um, and and so as i as I get into this, I promise you it is so easy to skip over chapter three or get stuck in chapter three and not continue, but I promise you this is one of the most important themes of the whole book as we land on the people who uh, who actually lived in jerusalem we 're going we 're going to discover something that you know what parts of the wall that they worked on and, and so let 's just actually uh, before we get into Nehemiah, actually, just, just for a moment, it, it, we're, we're looking at this idea of what breaks my heart. And so part of this idea of what breaks my heart is the counter question to that of what now must I do about it? And, and as we're looking at what now must I do about it, isn't it daunting doesn't it feel like there's so much going on and that there's so much to do? What possibly could I do to, to help that? There's, there's this mountain sitting on my, my shoulders of, as we've dived into this, this topic, and, and it just seems like it's getting larger and larger and larger rather than smaller. And, and, of course, you guys are thinking, yeah, thanks, Dave. You know, you guys brought this to my attention not how I wanted to start 2017 off burdened winning. Right. You know, like that's, you know, but, but hashtag, sorry, not sorry. Like, that's just how it goes. Like, that's where we want to start. And, and, and so it's so easy to think, you know, how, like, seriously, I look at, if your life is anything like mine, your finances are anything like mine, like I'm looking, I'm like, I've got $40 a month that I could spare 40 bucks. That's not going to do anything. I've got like an hour of free time to sit here and try to figure out like, how am I going to end world hunger, right? You know, like I can do it in an hour, right? You know, surely like seriously, like how, how, how could my 40 bucks a month and my one hour of free time every now and then seriously make a difference? Where do I start or or why should I really start really? But, but that, that the answer, the question or the answer to that question is, is really here. It's in chapter three and. And and I love this. And you guys might miss it at first, but hopefully I'm going to be very, very annoying about how I present this, that you might get it. So it starts off, Nehemiah 3.28. It says, above the horse gate, and just so you guys know, if you guys can't read uh, you know, ancient Hebrew much like myself, it's the gate of horses. So above the horse gate, the priest repaired the wall. Each one, I love this, this is important, each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. It's basically like the priests just walk out, and they're like, all right, we're building a wall. Well, where do we start? Well, hey, you know, uh, George, I think I think he's just taking a beeline for, like, what's right there in front of him, you know? And, and you know, Steve over here, he's like, you know. <laughs> He's right there for what's in front of him. Maybe, maybe, just maybe I should actually just walk across and just work what's immediately across from my house. Thank you, guys. It continues. It says, next, Zadok, son of Immer. also, it's important to know who, who, you know, again, you know, everyone who was ever mentioned in the Bible. Zadok, son of Immer, also rebuilt the wall across from his own house. And beyond him was Shemiah? son of Shekaniah, the gatekeeper of the East Gate. So you've got the priest, they're working on their horse gate. You've got next to them is Zadok, you know, son of Emmer, working on his area. Next to him is this guy. Next to him is this guy. And they're just working on what's right in front of their house. What's right there. I'm sure at some point in time, someone's like, hey, Zadok, you know, like, why... Why are you wasting your time working on that? There's nobody really working next to you. you got so much of this wall. There's no way that you're ever going to be able to finish this. There's no way. It's so much. Does it not feel like a mountain falling on you, Zadok? Like, why, Zadok, are you working on here, Zadok, son of Immer? Why are you working on this section? Well, because that's the section that's in front of me. Because I decided that I'm going to walk out, and I'm just going to work on this. And while I'm working on this, I'm going to trust that there's other people to work on the rest of it. That eventually, maybe, if if I just work on this, maybe someone will work next to me, and someone will work next to them, and someone will work next to them. And eventually, maybe this whole wall will come together. continues the third time. It says next, this is verse 30. Next... Hananiah, I promise I'm not making this up. Read it for yourself, I dare you. Hananiah, son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaph. I'm not sure which one's the guy in this scenario, um, repaired another section while Meshulam, son of Brechiah, rebuilt the wall across from where he lived. That's a third, fourth, fifth, sixth time that we see people literally walking out and working on what is immediately in front of them. But here's the thing, if each of these people sat around worrying, wondering, hey, how could I possibly ever get this entire wall built? Should I ever start? Where do I start? If they worried about all these small things, then eventually they never would have gotten a wall. But I love this, Zadok and and Hananiah and Zaleph and Meshulam. They all go out and they decide that they're going to start working on what is exactly in front of them. And before you know it, we come to the close of Nehemiah and there is a wall going around Jerusalem. Yeah, we can clap for that. No, I was trying to figure out how in this church I could reference building walls. And, and so I came up with this amazing idea this past weekend. Who in here got to go through the, uh, the compassion experience? That's right. Woo. That's, we can woo about that all we want. That is feeding children. That should be something that is on our minds. We we, we, we we get here, and essentially, if you missed it, it's okay. We still have an opportunity where if you want to respond to the capacity Experience, we actually still have 60 more kids out there that we want to find sponsors here at this church. Now, now. Well, essentially, what happens is compassion pulls up, and it's these two big semi trucks, and 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 essentially that you, you kind of walk through it. There's three different stories you get to experience, and and each each story had like five or six different rooms you walk through, and 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 so we get there, and I'm expecting them to pull up. We open up the the trailer, and you know, like it's good, it's start. You just go for it. I was wrong. <laughs> Thursday morning, we get there, and and we get to walk into the trailer, and, and if we could, actually, I'm going to pull up a picture. Uh, I took pictures. I'm going to be honest with you guys. These pictures are in reverse. Uh, this is actually when we were taking it all down, but I wanted to put it forward to make it look like we were putting it together for you guys. I'm a little slow to my ideas sometimes, alright? So so we get there and we see this big open trailer. And these here, these standing upright are the walls. you got more walls stacked up behind it, and and essentially, you got uh, you got Tim over here. He's the guy on the far left. Tim here. He he he's he's kind of the the uh, the the Nehemiah uh, of this trailer. He actually had a boss over him, but he was the one who was like in charge of like, okay, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here, this goes there. Hey, you work here. Hey, you work there. And and so we get there, and we we start piecing together these walls, and. Uh, and putting these walls together, and, and you guys can kind of just start scrolling through some of the pictures. You can kind of see some of them going up, and you can see, like, the space gets tighter and tighter as we went. And uh, um, we're just piecing together these walls, um, and, 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 and it's just becoming this thing. And I'm starting to realize, like, why it is we're doing this. You see, it was so easy to get there that day and look at at everything, that there was to do that day and get weighed down and burdened and think, hey, you know what? There's so much to do. There's no way we're going to get it accomplished. So why should I help? Or, or, you know what? There's so many other people here serving and we're not really going to get it done anyway. So what, would, would me missing really make that big of a difference? You know, besides really, come on, I only got like an hour or two at most I could spend or Forty bucks in my pocket, I can put towards anything. Like, there's no way that I could actually accomplish anything. There's no way that I could really create something that is going to do something. But you know what's cool about that? We put this together, and there's me. Uh, that's that's what I really did that day. <laughs> uh, I'm good at it, you know. Got my selfie game. Um, hashtag. It's whatever. I don't know, I can't think of anything. That's what happens when I go off my notes. now, um, it was so easy for us to get like bent out of shape on 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 you know how much work there was to it. But you know what, whenever we got that wall built, we had over four thousand people come through and experience that story. we We had people from Katie's Kentucky in Todd County, in Russellville, Kentucky. We had people coming up from Nashville to come and experience these stories. We're not just changing our community, we're changing the cities around us. And if I had gotten there and decided, man, my, my hour, my two hours that I have to waste, there's no way that anything good is going to come from it, decided to go home, I don't know if that ever would have happened. Because if I think that, then someone else might think that, and someone else might think that. We can't ever anticipate or expect someone is going to come along next to us and do the thing that is right in front of us. Which really brings me to my big idea. My big idea is this wall is not going to build itself. So build what is in front of you. This wall is not going to build itself, so build what is in front of you. We all have to be bought in. We all have to be a part of this. We all have to be trying to achieve and make this greater. Again, it is so easy to look at this enormous thing and think there's no way that I can ever help. There's no way I could take care of this. There's no way that I could fix this. The couple hours I had to spend were able to achieve 4,000 people walking through these doors, which, guess what, led to 140 kids now sponsored by people in this area who are not going to starve, who are going to have food, who won't have to risk their life going to a sweatshop. Because I spent a couple hours doing something that was such a small piece of the wall. You know, my 40 bucks a month that I have free a fraction of a fraction of the fraction of the millions of dollars it would take to really accomplish the mission of Compassion International. But you know what? My forty dollars helped that one kid. That forty dollars took care of the one. So I'm going to work on what's in front of me. You know, uh, if I could talk to people in this room that would consider yourselves a millennial. I know we don't like to consider ourselves anything, but if society would consider you a millennial, I, I just want to talk with you for a moment. Uh, that's born in 1982 through 2002, I believe. Um, you, we get talked, and I'm included in that, just so you know. I'm, I'm, I'm part of this group, and which is why a lot of you guys may not understand me all the time. But... Um, I'm part of this group and we get talked at quite a bit we we rarely get talked with we we rarely even get talked to we get talked at and so I just want to talk with you for a moment um, you know we we uh, we're like a, a, a rare breed we're a generation that has more spoken about more talked about about what is wrong with our generation uh, than any generation I can really remember beforehand um, you know of course we didn't really have Facebook back then, but I cannot spend an entire 24 hours without hearing, this is what's wrong with this generation. This is what's wrong with this generation. This is what's wrong with our generation. Time and time again, I constantly see this, but you know what? Very little is talked about what is good about our generation. I'll tell you what it is. Uh, There's been numerous studies to show that there's a couple things that our generation, the millennials, have in common that, that more in common than any other previous generation before us. That is, we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And we want to make a difference. People don't necessarily understand us because we, we make decisions like, you know, hey, I'd rather make a dis, uh, difference than make a buttload of money. You know, they, they don't, you know, people don't always understand us. But here's the thing, you know, something that is part of our issue, and really I think it's an age issue. I think it's something that will change as we grow up. And I, I can't wait to see this generation fully unleashed here, here in about 10 years. Part of, part of growing up is, is, is going from making decisions or, or, or thinking about things you want to change or you want to fix or this breaks my heart or this breaks my heart and thinking about how you could fix it. And, and eventually you get to the point where you just decide you're going to go do. And so I challenge all of you in this room, if you're here and you're a millennial, that, that today you decide that if I want to be a part of something bigger than myself, that I am going to be a part of something greater than myself. That if I want to be known for doing something or making a difference, then I am today, right now, going to start making a difference. We have to, to go to a point that we, you know, our words simply aren't going to show it. Our words aren't simply going to explain or, or win people over. But if our actions make a difference, then our actions are going to change this world. Am I right? Come on. I know, I know most of you guys are introverts. You guys can clap. It's all right. We're going to commit to making a difference. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Throat it oyster. Um, <laughs> come on, guys. I got one guy over here who really appreciates me. Thank you, Don. The other side of my big idea is the fact that I want us to work on what's directly in front of us. This wall's not going to build itself. We need to start. Again, if that means it's $40, that means it's an hour of your time. It doesn't matter. That makes a difference. Go start. But where do we start? We're going to start with what's in front of us. We're gonna build what's right in front of us, and 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 I want to kind of tie this into a lot of what's going on in the world around us, and a lot of what I see happening time and time again in conversations I hear or I'm a part of, and and so I I, I want to talk to us just for a moment from a side of like the what not to do's for a moment. You know, we 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 have this thing called Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and we have these you know people who are really really smart and witty and I wish I could just be half as witty as some of them take an entire group of people or an entire situation or entire you know cause and they try to sum the entire thing up into a meme or a picture that has no more than 12 words on it and we base our opinion of this group of people or that group of people based around what this one word says. That's damaging. That's not helping. We, 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 we try to, to, to understand, we try to get out there, and then we see this thing that says, hey, you should not love these people because blah. And we just take that and we run with it. We take it to heart. Or worse, we actually pass it on to make someone else take it to heart. So, two things I want to ask this church to do to make a commitment to moving forward is that when something tells you you should not love something or someone, that you will decide to do honest research with reputable organizations. You cannot sum anything up in 12 words. Worse you do is you still decide that you don't like that organization. or You still don't like that group of people, but at least you're more knowledgeable. And the other thing I want us to do is, as a church, that we would commit to not passing this rhetoric or this type of, uh, this type of, of, I don't even know what to call it, this this thing that is just fueling this awful thing. We won't pass it on anymore. You know, we just exited the most polarized political climate I have ever experienced. Like, you know, you go back in history, you got like the Jeffersonians and the Jacksonians, you got those people kind of, they're like, dude, those 2016 people, they're crazy. We just came out and here's the thing, I am the cause for that. I am guilty of causing it. I helped fuel and stoke the fire that we didn't need to help burn any higher. Look at me, I'm rhyming. Guys, whenever you see something that you know that you're gonna post and it's just gonna cause people who agree with you to become more proud and people who disagree with you to become even more angry, then what's the point? That's not winning anybody. That's not changing any hearts. Finally, I just want to talk about one of the most damaging things that I believe uh, I, I constantly hear in conversations, um, constantly hear, you know, happening behind the scenes, and, and that is this. Um, I see this this, this phrase, this, this template of a meme, if we can go ahead and get it up on the screen, all the time. There we go. It says, we should never help blank until every blank is taken care of. Now I know you're trying to help and I know we are trying to help and again, I'm putting myself in this situation, putting myself as a part of the problem on this. I get it. You know, I want to put myself in your shoes. You see and you love and your heart is broken for this bottom blank right here. And you see people talking and, and, and talk about helping and helping and doing all the things to this top blank here. And you think that they're mutually exclusive. That we people, these people over here need to stop helping over here and they need to come help my blank. You can't tell somebody that what breaks their heart is wrong. Wrong. Your job is to not to correct somebody on what breaks their heart. Your job is not to force someone to stop breaking their heart on what breaks their heart and come have their heart broken for what breaks your heart. Your job is to simply build what is in front of you. At no, sorry, we can, we can clap for that. At no point in time did Zadok ever get mad at these priests over here working on the horse gate for working on the horse gate instead of working on his gate. No, he just simply got up, walked outside, and he built what was right in front of him. You know, uh, for me, I'm just going to share what, what breaks my heart. Um, for me, the, the number one thing that breaks my heart is knowing that there are middle and high school students that grow up to be adults never learning or never knowing that there is a God who loves them. just destroys me. It destroys me because I, I was that middle and high school student who grew up to be an adult, never learning, not knowing that there was a God who loved me. What keeps me up at night is knowing that students disappear and then sometimes I never see them again. But you know What? It would be so easy of me to then go to Heather Sorowski, whose heart is broken for elementary school kids. Why? I don't know. They're not real humans, but it, it happens. She loves elementary school kids, or Katie Matthews, who loves pre-T kids. What is wrong with you? It would be so easy for me to approach these people and say, hey, no, stop it. You're wasting too much time and energy working on these kids. You need to come help me work on my kids. It would be so easy to become bitter and angry and resentful at these people for working on their piece of the wall whenever I'm trying to work on mine. But you know what? It would be so stupid of me. Man, I would be idiotic to to waste that time or, or energy trying to convince them to move over here. Why? Because I, I have to realize that we are all working on the same wall. Yeah. Mm, amen. People, amen and in one church. We're all working on the same wall. But you know what also, the problem with this, can I get that back up actually? The uh, we should never help blank. (sighs) Tried. I'll just talk about it. You know what's also damaging about that? The we should never help blank until every blank is taken care of. Not every time, but sometimes. Sometimes that. Thank you very much, guys. Not every time, but sometimes this isn't really actually motivated out of loving this blank. Oftentimes, this is actually motivated out of disliking or hating that blank. I mean, seriously. Seriously. And and the reason this happens is because some of us, and I include myself in this because, trust me, I find it very difficult to love some people. But some of us still think that, that there are people in this world that either don't deserve our help and our love while others do deserve our help and our love. News for you, it was never about worth. If it was about worth, then all of us in this room would never have been found worthy. Every man, woman, and child who is alive, has lived, or will live, is two things, completely and irrationally loved by God for no other reason than he simply does. We didn't climb a ladder. We didn't build a staircase to get to him. Y'all going to get me preaching for a moment. They're all part of our wall. All of them. Who are we to possibly think that we're greater than God, that we have a right to decide who is worth it and who isn't? You know what I love about this story? It talks about people coming from all over to come and help Jerusalem build their wall. That means people from the country went to the city. They weren't sitting back and saying, hey, look, you city folk, you put yourself in this mess, take care of it. No, they said, I'm going to come help you. We make decisions about whether someone deserves to get help based on where they're born? The pigment of their skin, really? Shame on us for thanking We ever had a say in who was worth it and who wasn't. So I give you this challenge. This wall's not going to build itself. So work on what's in front of you. Let's pray. God, I love you. And God, I just thank you for being a God who isn't limited by human understanding. But, God, you are a God who sees through us and into us. And, God, before we ever were born, before we ever walked, before we, we, we ever knew there was such a thing as existence, you loved us. And, God, I just ask that, that you would allow for this church to be a church that wouldn't be limited by silly things such as discrimination or colorblindness. And God has asked that you allow us to go and work on what breaks our heart. It's in your name we pray.